Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Advice of Our Own, a fanfic writing advice podcast with me, Stella. And also me, Malky. We're here to give writing advice, as we always are. And also, we're not AO3. <laughs> we're not AO3 or the OTW. Uh, not always, though, because I, I wasn't here last time. But we're here now. We're and here that's now. that's what matters. Uh, yeah, we haven't abandoned you to, um, ignominy? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> In any case, this week we're going to be talking about prose and dialogue. Yeah, uh, this is actually going to be a lot of stuff, so, uh, let's try to keep this under an hour, <laughs> hopefully. Let's just get right into it. Yeah. Alright. So when you're writing a story, you're going to want to think about how you're writing it. And when it comes to prose, you have, of course, the point of views, the POVs. You've got first person, second person, third person, and you've got a lot of variations in between that. Or within it. Within. And then there's a secret fourth person for the fourth dimensional people. The mysterious fourth person. Who are they? We just don't know. Yeah. They might be right behind you. They're not. <laughs> so, mysterious entities aside, why don't we start from first person? Yeah, the one that everybody loves. <laughs> first person, uh, I think it gets a bad rap because, well, it's generally used in a lot of uh, young adult fiction. And of course, everybody loves ragging on young adult fiction. But also, there's a general misunderstanding about how to use first person effectively. Yeah, in terms of first person, sometimes people keep writing it like they're writing third person, but making all the pronouns into eyes. And that does not work well at all. Yeah. Like, the real strength of first person is getting you right into the perspective character. You're looking at the world through their eyes. Yeah, and the thing is, is that people don't generally go like, I did this, and then I did that, and then I saw this person, and we talked. Mm -hmm. What happens a lot is, I think they're called filter words, basically meaning the action or the events are filtered through this person instead of just like, writing out what is happening, you're writing out what they see or they hear is happening. So an example would be, um, I realized that blah 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 blah, or it was then that I saw blah 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 blah. Instead of saying, oh, it's because of this, that being the realization, or Oh, look, someone over there is doing something, which is what you see. Like, we don't have to have the narrator tell us that they're realizing something or that they're seeing something, because we can pretty much tell that they're realizing or seeing just from what they tell us directly, what they're realizing or what they're seeing, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And of course there are like circumstances in which filter words can be useful or can 
really emphasize a certain characteristic of the perspective character, but it's good to be conscientious about it. An example of a statement that has filter words would be like, in the distance, I saw a flashing light. I thought it must be a firefly. God, so robotic. But without those filter words, it'd be more like, in the distance, there was a flashing light. A firefly, probably. Yeah, and that one definitely sounds more natural and human. Mm -hmm. Filter words tend to make it more impartial, while writing without filter words tend to give a little more voice to the prose. Yeah. And now your narrator sounds like a person with, uh, with experiences that you are being privy to, rather than a narrator who had witnessed something and you are being told what they witnessed secondhand. We also have, like, a link to a post that talks a little more about filter words. That'll be in the description somewhere. Of course, there are other ways to handle first person. For example, if you're writing letters between people or if you're writing a journal entry, there's some like big examples of first person I can think of is there's the Percy Jackson series that's written in first person. A lot of fun. There's um, Sarah Dessen writes a lot of young adult romance that enjoyable. I think the best example of first person I've ever read was in Ella Minnow P. Um, well, I'll just, I'll write the title of the book in the description. It was basically a series of letters between one person to the people in her town. And, of course, when you're writing letters, you tend to write in first person. Yeah, but also if we're going to talk about, um, I guess, the context of first person, you should also be able... To think about how the narrator is gonna talk, depending on whether they're writing in their journal or writing a letter to someone or mm -hmm. doing blog posts, maybe it's gonna be different. When it comes to like, uh, what what are they called? Epistolaries, something like that. I'm probably there's a word for it. Sure, yeah. When it comes to those things. It sort of blurs the line between um, prose and dialogue, I think, because prose tends to be conveying information mostly to the audience while telling the story, but dialogue and epistolary, epistoletter stuff, those tend to have like an audience that the narrator or the perspective character has in mind, even if that audience is them from the future, them in the future. <laughs> That's a general overview of first person, but if you have more questions, you can always send one in. So let's move on to second person. That's my favorite. It's your town. <laughs> it's my favorite perspective. It's the Homestuck perspective. It's your city. It's my city. I've actually loved second person for a while. I'm really glad that it's like, I feel like most people shy away from it, but it's fun. It's fun. I really can't say much. At all. What's good about second person is if you're writing a story with two people who use the same pronouns, it's a lot easier to handle because instead of two sets of the same pronouns, you have one pronoun and one you. <laughs> so I think it 
for me, it cleans up a lot of group slash individual scenes very nicely. I think second person is extremely good for mixing internal monologue with prose. It gets it super close to the perspective character, but you sort of get more wiggle room. Because, like, the distinction between second person and first person is kind of... Nebulous. Nebulous. Um, I want to say that the atmosphere that you get from first person and second person are different. Absolutely. First person tends to be a little more geared towards the audience, I think, while I think second person tends to be geared towards the characters. So it's more like the audience has to get used to the character? Well, the thing is, uh, I feel like this is me wildly speculating, but a lot of young adult books are written in first person, and what that does is it really integrates the reader into the character's world, but it does so by making the character relatable to the reader, getting the reader to understand the character through the reader's perspective. Ah, I think I know, I think I can understand, and I think that that is pretty insightful. And like, since young adult books are like geared towards young adults, kids, teens, young adults, the teens, the tweens, the, the kiddos, the young'uns, all those folks, it sort of appeals to them in that way. It's first person, so they're a separate character that is telling something to the audience. So it's like there's an element of both reader insert, but also... Wait, are we talking about first person or second person now? We're kind of talking about both. Oops. Oops. Something that always struck me about how Rick Riordan wrote the Percy Jackson series is that he kind of wrote it specifically for his children who had ADHD. I think his son has ADHD. So he wanted to make a hero that has ADHD in like but portrayed in a positive way. You know, representation. It's important. So by writing it in mm -hmm. first person, he's giving his audience a way to see themselves in the story in a more direct way. And he's also emphasizing basically these qualities for other people to be able to relate to. Yeah, because when someone is trying to understand another person, it involves a dialogue, I guess? Dialogue? Well, I mean, it's sort of like if you're someone who's explaining to someone else, then you talk about your experience, and you start going like, what happened to me was blah 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 yeah. blah, right? And I, I, blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. So, first person, right? Yeah. It's good for relating. It's also good for, um, I did say, like, reader insert. It's also good for getting the reader to experience things, too. Like, that's why a lot of romance is in first person, I think. And it's like, hmm. this isn't like throwing any shade or anything, but it's a combination of experiencing the story through the perspective character, but also just relating to the perspective character. Yeah. It's like right in the middle of that. But... Back to second person, though. If it isn't a blank slate character made specifically for reader insert stuff, there's more of a barrier between the reader and the character, while at the same time allowing the character to be very, very transparent to the audience. 
Yeah, because second person uses the you pronoun, but the audience is already clearly aware that this person is、mm-hmm. not them. I think a really good non-homestuck example of second person is a story of you from Welcome to Night Vale, and that also sort of plays into how second person can be played with, because. The narrator isn't actually the perspective character. What happens is the narrator is a radio show host who announces this segment with "This is a story about you," and then he goes on to basically describe the story using you. Like you weren't sure what you were going to do. You weren't sure what those men were doing. You went over. You heard. Them on the radio, that kind of stuff. It's a very good example of how strong second person can be in an interesting way. Yeah. There's also like other twists that can happen with second person. I once read a fic that started out seemingly second person, but it ended up being first person with a character that was just talking about another character extensively. There were ghosts involved. I see. Yeah. There. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, you can like do some interesting twists with it. You can get it super visceral. It's good for getting those good, good emotions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, though, I feel like I do that anyways with third person. <laughs> And here's a great time to talk about third person. Yep, the popular town. Third person, probably. Doesn't really need much of an explanation, to be honest.、Uh, it's everywhere. You've read it. You've read fix with it always. It's just the typical narrative style. Yeah, it's just a typical narrative style that you kind of expect from books. So yeah, third person is pretty much the standard.、Uh, I, there are some variations. There's omniscient third person. There's close third person. Omniscient third person can hop from character to character and tell you what each character is thinking about, and so on and so forth. Close third person follows basically one perspective character. Uh, there's really not much to say. <laughs> there's a lot to say. That's why we're talking. Yeah, I guess the thing with third person is that. I feel that you can pretty much get the advantage of visceral emotions and feeling close to the character that you can get in first with first and second person. It's actually true. Yeah, all POVs is the same. <laughs> I mean the. I mean, there's definitely a difference in sort of like atmosphere and stuff. Mm-hmm. And. There are certain things that first person and second person, I'm sure, can do that third person just can't.、Mm-hmm. Um, like it's a lot harder in third person to make asides or random comments that would be easier to do in either first or second person because it is the character itself who is controlling the narration. Third person is kind of like a strict. Narrative sort of thing, 
and I guess you can manage to do asides sometimes, but you have to uh, kind of set it up in the framework of being a narrator talking about this aside that someone is making. <laughs> A good example of a uh, third person with a lot of asides and with a lot of character within it, it would be Terry Pratchett. I love Terry Pratchett. I love Terry Pratchett! It's like, that's another thing to consider, actually. Whether your narrator has a type of voice, even if they are omniscient. Because even if there is, like, an omniscient narrator, you have to realize that there is a certain level of impartiality that can fluctuate. Yeah, like how does your narrator talk about this character and how does your narrator talk about that character? Plus there's also like what the narration focuses on. Yeah. This is, this goes into all perspectives I think, but there's always got to be consideration for how much or how little detail you go into for everything. Like, oh my god, this is this is something that happens in, I swear to god, every writing class Malky has been in. Not me, because I don't actually take writing classes. I just learn all of this secondhand. Where some people focus really hard on, like, specific brands or specific company types or whatever. If there's, like, a lot of detail for what a clothes brand is versus what it actually looks like, it's... It's a little alienating and uninteresting. Across all perspectives! <laughs> I honestly don't remember experiencing this very much. What happened? Like The purple... Well, okay, so... There was that one story which we both hated. God, I hate this story. <laughs> um, where there were these two girls who... Oh my god! Out oh my god! For the... For, like shopping stuff and one of them died and, and there was and one of them died and it was all a dream right yeah that one. Oh my god and <sighs> that was and <laughs> there there was an entire paragraph dedicated to what's it um the jeans chanel gucci jeans whatever i don't even remember what i think this might have been in first person actually uh, or it could have been in third person. I feel like I've blocked the memory from my head. Oh my god, this was from high school. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay, uh, thinking about it, I feel like it was third person in my heart. I feel that it was in third person. Yeah. And like, when there's that kind of detail, it can be generalized to just like a brand name bag or like a very high-end, very expensive... If you want to highlight the brand, then you can, but there's usually a way to basically build it into character knowledge or make it relevant, other than just, like, impassively listing off all of these brand stuff. Like, Coco Chanel sunglasses. That doesn't actually tell me what the sunglasses look like. They're expensive, but you could just say expensive sunglasses. It just basically is about what will your character slash narrator focus on. And also, what your reader would be interested in. And also what your reader needs to know, actually. Because, like, you don't necessarily have to describe every part of a character's attire, because the reader can probably imagine that they're wearing something. They're not going to assume that your character is naked if you don't mention 
anything about their clothes. Yeah. And there are there are times when clothes descriptions are important and you're like really trying to hammer in like an important moment where character A sees character B or if character B is looking at something that they've dreamed about forever and that dream was clothes, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Wait, no, like okay. In Malky's fic at one point, she describes clothes in more detail than just a suit. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I did. But uh, in that case, the suit was a gift, and it was supposed to be a meaningful gift, so the details were necessary. Because of it was a significant event, thus it was given more detail. If it was just some guy dressing up for the day in a suit, then it would just probably have been he put on a black suit. That's it. Mm -hmm. But since it was a gift, the perspective character was like really appreciating the details. Yep. So basically what you describe depends on what your readers need to know, what your character notices or narrator, and what your character or narrator knows, I guess. Mm -hmm. We kind of went off topic because I hate this writing convention. I hate when people just list off brands and expect me to get them. I don't know brands. I don't care about brands. Someone throws out a name and I'm like, wow, that sure is a name. I have no idea what I'm reading. <laughs> Look, Stella, you got to get on the hype train for these brand names. Of fashion. I won't. No. I refuse. You gotta this be is capitalist garbage. You gotta be fashionable. Fashionable. But yeah. <sighs> but yeah. But yeah. But we were talking about third person. <laughs> uh, I feel like we talked it out already extensively. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's like... Wait, hold on. So, uh, omniscient narrator. There's also like... An actual narrator, like the Lemony Snicket style slash uh, Into the Woods type narrator character to talk in third person, or to tell the story in third person. There's over-the-shoulder third person, which is my personal favorite, and what Malky was talking about, with like the whole getting really adjacent to the character and going like personal style narration, almost. Yeah. Third person can have a very unique voice. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I think the voice of third person depends more on the universe and the tone of the story rather than the characters, as opposed to second person and first person. Second person and third person are obviously a lot more character-centric. First person. You said third person. <laughs> Wait, oops. Um, first person and second person are obviously a lot more character-centric. Plus, uh, this is actually a, probably another reason first person is popular. When it comes to characters learning about a new universe, it's good for, like, world building and it's good for getting information. Although, again, that can be for any perspective. All POVs are the same. You can do anything. <laughs> the world is your oyster. The Watson character, you know. A Watson character is the character that doesn't know anything and so has to get things explained to them. That can be used effectively or ineffectively. But we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about prose and dialogue. But right now we're still talking about prose. 
Are we now? Oh, yeah, I guess there's still more to talk about. Yeah, like, oh, I did mention that I like、uh, second person because it's easier to juggle pronouns, but when it comes to third person and having multiples of the same pronouns, <laughs> it can be, it can get a little rough, but you gotta, you gotta remember, you can always restructure sentences to avoid confusion. Yeah, there's that. But also, consider using characters' names. Because sometimes simple is better. Yeah. Like,、mm. there's sort of this ongoing joke, I guess, where you see fic that describes characters as, like, the raven haired teen or the brunette boy, the. Olive eyed woman. <laughs> oh my god. Basically, using a lot of epithets. Yeah. Epithets? Yeah, epithets. Yeah. I think epithets is right. But none of that is necessary. It's okay to use the character's name. It's not that names have power and that by giving your readers the character's name, they suddenly have power over the character. The thing with epithets is that. Uh, sometimes it doesn't really make much sense to use them. Like, a physical description is good if, like, the perspective character is talking about someone they don't know, or if the narrator is describing a character who hasn't been named yet. Yeah. Or also, like, if there's a certain situation where if you're trying to, like, highlight a funny thing that happened, like, if you're writing a scenario with someone going, like, Hey, your clothes look terrible, said the boy in extremely gaudy clothing type stuff. <laughs> so it's not like, this isn't us saying hard pass on all epithets forever, but be conscious about, be conscious about them. Like, what's the purpose of it? Are you just using it to avoid using a name, or is there a reason to use it? Don't. Just don't be afraid to use characters' names. It's not boring, it's practical. <laughs> Please. I mean, I, I mean, there are also cases where names will also just make the sentence awkward, though. So,、mm -hmm. in terms of pronouns, you can either restructure the sentence, rework it until you find something that will make it work. This is also a situation in which writing closer to the perspective character can be helpful, like over the shoulder, less filter words type stuff. For example, if you're making a comment like, uh, like, for example, uh, character A was wearing a blue dress, character B thought she looked beautiful, that kind of thing,、mm -hmm. you could basically condense it and Take out those filter words to character B was blah, blah, blah. I'm getting confused in my own fake scenario. Okay. <laughs> character A was wearing a blue dress. I don't actually remember if I said that. She was beautiful. So, like, by taking out those filter words and by basically making it more tailored to the narrative, the character, whatever, you can actually, like, Eliminate some of those pronouns and names. 
Also, here's an SAT lesson in grammar that will probably help you out. If there are multiple characters and a pronoun refers to one of them, the pronoun will typically be associated with the character who was mentioned last. I guess I have to make an example now. God. <laughs> Crap. Honestly, just open up your own fic. <laughs> uh, that's gonna... I can... I can look up something for from my side since I've been writing like nothing but this rare pair of ship fic. <laughs> Do you want me to? I yeah, you probably will find something first because I need to figure out which one has multiple characters in a sentence. Okay. Okay, I'm just going to I'm going to like make this Anonymous, because otherwise, I guess it would feel kind of awkward reading aloud my own fic. <laughs> but as dense as character A could be, he should know how important art is to character B. So the he, of course, is referring to character A. Yep, and not character B. Um, of course. There are always exceptions to the rule. I um, I have a lot of exceptions. Well, it's not that the these exceptions are anything spectacular, though, because I'm sure you can find an everyday example mm -hmm. in your own life where that doesn't work. SAT rules are useful, but also you can ignore them a lot because there's a lot more. Yeah. There's a lot of other rules. There's a lot of overlapping rules. A lot of conflicting rules. Yeah, a lot of stuff about clauses or whatever. Jeez. Pfft. Writing is hard. Writing is hard. But anyway, in that case, it's always good to, like, ask a beta reader or read it out loud. That always helps. Yeah, reading out loud always helps, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Just read everything out loud. Read, make a podcast <laughs> of your own story. Make your own podfic. Podfics are hard, <laughs> man. I don't get how people do it. It's wild. All those, uh, all that voice acting. That's basically doing an audiobook, though. Yeah. Okay. So we talked a lot about perspective, point of view, prose. Well, kind of prose. <laughs> There's more to talk about prose. There's always more to talk about prose. What else should we talk about prose? Tense and voice. Oh, That's prose. Dang. I never think about that because I literally write the same tense all the time. Yeah, same. <laughs> well, no, not same. My most recent one was not. Okay. Okay, so tense, tense. Let's talk about tense. So certain... Yeah. Certain POVs lend themselves to certain tenses better. Like, second person works with present tense because of how close the reader is to the character. Third person works with past tense because even with over the shoulder, there is a distance between the narrator and the characters. The narrator is not typically a witness. First person can go either way. <laughs> uh, just to go... I guess to go into more detail about each of them. Second person works well with, like, a character interacting with what is happening right here and now. Right here and now. It's not as interesting to hear a story about you 
about events that had happened before, but is not happening now. <laughs> it's not. But yeah, that's that's why I think past tense cannot work with second person very well. Or you'll have to like be more take more care with it. With third person, I actually exclusively write third person present tense. <laughs> uh, but it can work, yes, and it does work. It's just that it lends itself better to past tense, in my opinion. Or, I'm not sure if it lends itself better, it just lends itself well. Yeah, sure, okay. First person, it can. First person is a very versatile perspective, honestly. Like, if you're writing a journal yeah. entry, of course it's going to be past tense. If the first person narrator is telling a story, then yeah, it's going to be past tense. But you can also just have, like, the narrator experiencing things. It depends on the context and, I guess, the framework of the story. Yep, all those intentions and everything. Basically, perspective. Points of view. Think about everything. Be a conspiracy board theorist about your own intentions for the story. Just think about everything everywhere. All the time. Or, if you don't want to, just write. <laughs> All of our advice basically boils down to, do this, or don't. Do this, but maybe not. <laughs> We're not the boss of you. You do you. We're just here to offer advice. Yeah, I mean... Sometimes all you just gotta do is just write what seems right to you at the time, and then just show it to someone. <laughs> write your heart out. Okay. But, so, that's prose. We've talked about that, kind of. Voice. Voice. Oh my god, I keep on- I just really want to talk about dialogue. I know, I'm sorry, but voice. Voice, okay. So we did, like, go on that whole rant about brand brand names and how that affects the voice of the narrative in that your audience will stop to care. This I'm going to be super solid on, unless you have an explicit reason for describing the brand or unless the brand name is, like, appended to a better description other than just the brand name. Don't. Advice of our own hates capitalism. You heard it here first. Yep. Um, I guess other than that, uh, well, I guess we did talk a lot about voice before. The thing about um, each of these perspectives is that all of them depend on how much the narration wants the audience to know. Sometimes that's like actual details of the plot, sometimes that's like relationships with characters, and sometimes it's like the closest perspective character and what they know and, like, their body of knowledge. Like, back to the brand thing. God, I hate it. If a character doesn't know a brand, you can build that into the, narr the narration. Like, highlighting that the character could tell it was fancy in some nebulous way. That means that the character isn't familiar with expensive brands and also that the character can't recognize fancy stuff, I guess. <laughs> well, other than information, though, voice also has a lot to do with your the character's 
estimation of something basically like it 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 shows what the narration is dismissive of and what it is interested in mm-hmm. which will vary all the time depending on the story depending on the character depending on the character's mood <sighs> it's just something to keep in mind writing 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 it's writing Okay, I think now we can get to dialogue, Stella. Okay, okay. So... Release the floodgates. You always have to remember that when you're writing dialogue, you're writing a conversation between two characters. Or more. Maybe you're writing a group scene. But there, within that, there's a delicate balance between what you're writing for the sake of the audience and what you write as actual dialogue. Something that people point out in writing advice blogs I've seen is that in casual speech, people don't generally say each other's names that often. There are, of course, exceptions, as there are to everything. We should just make that a tagline. There are exceptions. And yeah, I actually have like a character that I write where I go out of my way to sometimes in- have him use other people's names just because he has that kind of formal type of speech. Or he has a very certain vibe that I try to go for. But when people are talking to each other, they're having a conversation. They're they're thinking about what the other person knows and what the other person needs to know and like what's worth talking about. So people don't generally like explain themselves to the fullest extent that they can, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Just basically you gotta think about how people naturally sound. Mm-hmm. Also, you have to think about what people would naturally say. I think there was an article, actually, about um, writing dialogue and how there's a difference between Hollywood, California-type sudden monologues to a stranger about your entire life story. I'm going to try to find that <laughs> article. This this episode is uh, going to have a lot of links. Yeah, it's time for references. <laughs> yeah. All right. But, like, there are... Sp- there are definitely certain characters that would go out and do that, but um, generally when it comes to sudden emotional conversations, there's some build-up, or there's like a lot of talking around the issue before actually addressing it. There's also like different ways to talk, different contexts, different like... Mm, Conversations yeah. can just go um, everywhere. They can go everywhere. I mean, it also depends on how realistic you want to go because even the best dialogue is fictionalized dialogue. Yeah. Like the podcast you're hearing, there's a lot of stuff that we cut out. Yeah, there is. Sometimes I don't want to cut it out because we have to think about the audience. Uh... So, of course, there's going to there's going to be, like, a lot of false starts within realistic dialogue or a lot of, like, random tripping over your own tongue or just, like, forgetting words. And you can, like, add that into fic, too, to, like, give it more life. But also, if you make it excessively realistic, people might go, like, ah, <laughs> I'm leaving. It's like there's a balance between realism and writing. Yeah, you can't have in your fic, like, a hundred words of two characters 
accidentally talking over each other and then going like, oh, okay, you go first. Oh, you go first. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would work in um, certain cases, in certain situations, of course, because there's always exceptions. There's always exceptions! But definitely not do it a realistic number of times. <laughs> realism, but not too much realism. The best way, in my opinion, to write realistic dialogue is to try to conceptualize it as a script. Uh, I've got like, what's the what's the word? There's like, well, I've got like good audio retention, echolic memory, whatever. So that means that I'm really good at uh, hearing characters speak to each other in my head, which is how I try to determine the pacing, the flow, what direction the dialogue takes. And also, another important thing to consider, diction, word choice. What kind of words would your characters say, and what kind of words would be kind of weird to hear from their mouth? Like, for example, a uh, hypothesis. That's a word that basically everyone knows and everyone can really say, so even though it's, like, edging towards the scientific-type vocabulary, it's like someone says hypothesis, it's like, yeah, anyone can say that. But if you start going into, like, a uh, purple prose lit major-type stuff, then it's like, you have to, like, tailor it more to the character. Well, I'm pretty sure certain characters... Luffy wouldn't say hypothesis. Luffy wouldn't say... Yeah, like, certain characters wouldn't say hypothesis. They might say, oh, like, God. if they're talking about hypothesis conceptually, for example, Luffy might say, uh... This is a thing! It's a mystery thing! It's the mystery thing, yeah. So you also have to think <laughs> about, like, how characters would frame something. It's sort of like... Something a lot of artists will do will go to art museums and look at art stuff and go like, hey, I'm recognizing color theory in this. I'm looking at composition in this. Like, do that with dialogue. Pay attention to how characters say things in TV shows. Sometimes analyze your own conversations if you want to. That's always fun. Yeah, uh, fanfiction is... Uh lucky in that regard in that you have loads of examples to choose from mm -hmm. to be honest and you basically have um a reference right in front of you the world can be relevant to your fic writing process all the time i mean that's true everything you do i'm just saying in fanfiction in particular you've got definite examples mm -hmm. talk to someone uh, there's an example <laughs> have a social life that's an example go outside that's an example suddenly you're you're hearing people they're talking that's your dialogue reference also don't eavesdrop that's rude uh sometimes you can't help it don't purposefully eavesdrop on strangers okay it, okay it's like there's a difference between eavesdropping and hearing things yeah anyway so that's like a long ramble about dialogue. Uh, how about dialogue tags, which sort of straddles um, prose and dialogue? It's both. Said is not dead. Said, said is, is not, not dead. Said is not dead. Said is not. Said is not dead. <laughs> said is not dead. It's alive and well, and it's here to help. There's like um, the thing with said is like. A lot of people don't really register when it gets used. 
So it's it's just sort of like a placeholder thing. Sometimes it's like a break. It's like a break. It's to denote who's speaking. Sometimes, um, yeah. I personally try not to use said more than like two times in a row for dialogue separation. Sometimes I'll like separate with actions or like an observation or emotions. But like the thing is, if you use like five billion different、um, placeholders for said, it you. You start writing like Maya Mortal or Anne Rice. I think that's what she's known for. Bellowed, snickered, shouted, screamed, yelled, whispered. Actually, 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 here's an important thing to note: people don't snicker something. <laughs> They don't snicker out something. They don't laugh something. They don't laugh a whole speech, please. They don't laugh a whole speech, but they can laugh a word. They can laugh a word. I will accept that. <laughs> the thing is with dialogue tags, if you're using a different tag just to avoid using said, you might want to like think about restructuring or just using said. Uh, dialogue <laughs> tags are nice though because you can use it to emphasize emotion or action. Yeah, yeah. Don't just use them to replace said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have some intention with it. There's also something you can do with dialogue in which you can have this whole block of dialogue with no dialogue tags.、Mm -hmm. I think those are very useful in scenes where there's a lot of frantic talking.、Mm -hmm. Or something,、um, something hurried is going on. A lot of back and forth with no or little pauses. This is actually when that happens. It's really good to be super solid on character voices, and also it's really good、yeah. to have a lot of thought put into diction.、Um, yeah. Um, like for example, sometimes I'll exaggerate a little with. Using more gonna versus going to for characters with more casual speech, especially if they're talking to characters with a more formal speech, it's a good way to like denote them and have a more and have more emphasis on voice without、um, having to always say who's saying what. And in terms of honorifics, those might be a. These also this this also might be a good time to break out characters calling other characters by name <laughs> because、uh, there are some characters who will call other characters a certain honorific. Yeah, if you're writing and, your anime characters. Yes, if you're writing the <laughs> animes. It's actually okay. So this is a little bit of a tangent. It's also really interesting to see how honorifics are translated to、um, Western stuff. Like, for example, Junpei in Persona Three calls characters with chi, like Yukari chi, or I guess it was Yuka chi. But in the English translation, they changed it to Tan because Western fandom is more. Aware of it, I guess. So they have him going like Yucatan. Yeah, like none of us, none of us here knows chi. So there's there's also like 
the balance of whether you want to be more faithful to the source material or if you want to like go for the localization or if you just want to like not do honorifics at all yeah um i can tell you that uh oh god i don't want to say this with my own mouth mm -hmm. <laughs> i can also say that some people have worked their way around the honorifics that sanji uses by having him say Nami baby. Uh. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. There, there. I mean, it captures how embarrassing it is. It, it's so embarrassing. I don't think I ever really fully... I don't think I ever fully understood how embarrassing he is. Well, I have. He's super embarrassing, but like... Jeez. We got off track, as we always do. It's a podcast. That's the way of... That's how it goes. This yeah. is what y'all signed up for. So, <laughs> let's talk about... You know what? Let's talk about uh, group scenes. Like, not just dialogues between two people. We touched on, like, how in a frantic situation you can have a lot of people talking without dialogue tags. Sometimes, you know, voices are solid. But in group scenes... It's a little harder to figure out how to balance things, especially since you're orchestrating everything from behind the stage curtain going like, oh, so this person needs to go here, this thing needs to be said by someone, all that stuff. This is my town. <laughs> Considering that I can write up to nine characters in one scene at a time. <sighs> nine characters. That's so much. Nine main characters. Okay. Um, in terms of group scenes, it's gonna sound pretty clinical and cold, and rather than, I guess, whatever you think writing is. But for me, it's just basically a hard tally of who hasn't talked yet, who hasn't reacted yet, and who hasn't said anything in a long time. And that's that works for me just because I already know what needs to be said by people and I already know um, the information that needs to be given. Mm. So it's just a matter of basically doling it out. Yeah. I generally have like specific things I know specific characters will have to say or specific things that they should say but i also have like a bunch of stuff where it's like anyone could potentially make this type of observation i would just have to tailor it to whatever who whichever character i decide and that's usually based on diction um who's talking or who's already talked and who needs to talk who who we need to remind the audience about they're still here they're around yeah yeah. And in any case, uh, you can use this opportunity to actually bring up some cool interactions you might not have thought of before. Just because someone will say something and then you realize that uh, this other character hasn't said anything in a while and maybe they actually have something relevant to say 
about the previous remark, and then you have a dialogue going. Mm-hmm. Actually, like, Benedict was talking a little while ago. Very recently, I think. Shout out to Benedict. We were, he was talking about how he just sort of threw a character in on a whim and it improved the scene a lot by making it a group scene and having another voice for the other characters to play off of. Just have friends be <laughs> friends. Just, ha- just see where interesting interactions can take you. Yeah, um, this actually goes into about how you write a fic that focuses on certain characters in an ensemble cast Mm -hmm. and make the other parts of the cast relevant. You just gotta have them be there. (laughs) Kinda. Yeah. Think about how each character is is reacting. Even though a character isn't talking, they're still, like, in the scene. They still know what's going on. There's still things for them to think about and that can like help you figure out what exactly they're going to say and when they would say it yep and it might be a lot to consider nine characters at once and how they <laughs> and how they would react to something happening but it's worth it you you can have your nine characters i'll stick to my Seven-character dialogue hell. (laughs) Yes, that's such a big difference. (laughs) You have it so much easier than me. I sure do. Uh, Do you think that's it? Mm. For dialogue? I think so. I think that's it for dialogue. Um, Basically, realize that dialogue is dialogue. Don't just write it for the fic. Don't just write it for plot. Don't just write it for plot. Um, find ways to info dump in meaningful character ways, I guess, if that's what you're trying to do. Or if you're writing emotional scenes, think about how characters would react, like how they would personally frame things, how they would say things, diction, tone, style, all of that. <laughs> I love dialogue. Dialogue is like... The only thing I ever want to write. Uh, I'm not sure if I could survive off of dialogue. I mean, dialogue is cool, though. Alright. So I think that wraps... Yeah, that that does wrap up dialogue. We do have a question, though. It's our new patented question corner. Yeah. Follow me to the corner with the question. We're in it. It's here. Yeah. Just like Tom Thumb, who... Wait, what? Jack Horner! Jack Horner. It was Jack Horner who sat in a corner. Yeah. And like Jack Horner, our thumb is in this question. Pie. Is that... I I think you're mixing your... uh, I don't even know what to call these. Anyway, (laughs) moving on. The question is... Hey, advice of our own. How does one write without tabbing over to Tumblr every time one's mind wanders for an instant... Asking for a friend. Well, I I tab over to Tumblr. I actually don't have any focus at all. I just sort of like go back and forth. Same. <laughs> we are the two least person qualified persons to ask. Yeah. 
Yeah. But what I do is, um, I do a lot of my writing on, like, commutes, actually. Like, if I'm on a train or a bus, then I'll just start writing because the internet is not really reliable, and also I want to pass the time because trains are annoying. So there's, like, situational stuff. You can um, go to somewhere with terrible Wi-Fi. Or just straight up disconnect your Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, also, if you're trying to force yourself into hyperfocus, that might, like, not work out and might just, like, get you feeling more burnt out. Burnout. Um, it burnout. exists. But, yeah. But also, um, if focus is the problem, sometimes what I do is I'll have, like, two scenes or, like, five fixed in progress, and I'll switch between those fix other than, rather than switching over to social media, especially since, like, sometimes losing focus is because there's a particularly different, bleh, especially since losing focus is sometimes because there's a particularly difficult scene that I don't really want to write at the moment, so writing a different scene can help. To be honest, I can't. Uh, I can't write while I'm on a train or whatever because I just want to do other stuff on my phone. So here's something that I can suggest but have never done, so I'm not sure if it's a good idea or not. There are things online that you can use that will force you to continue writing by deleting what you wrote if you stop writing. I I I don't know. I'm I feel like I'm getting an anxiety attack just listening to that description. Jesus. Uh I mean, yeah. Uh part of it is that it's <laughs> I mean, I think I would just not want to write. Yeah, this is, I mean, that's good for, like, forcing yourself to write in a window of time, I guess. Like, if you absolutely have to write and you can't be distracted at all using that app and just, like, writing constantly with the fear of everything on your The fear of the void of oblivion. Yeah. Uh... I mean, from what I could see, there were settings for, uh the time and how long you know you have to write or you set how many words you have to write and only until you reach that goal are you free from the (laughs) curse uh so anyways i guess a few of these uh sort of programs or whatever uh there's write or die which i believe is on a website. That's an app's name. Uh, well... You either write or you die. Yep. Um, there's something called the Most Dangerous Writing App. Uh. Uh, and then there's something called Flow State, which is the nicest name I have seen from out of all of these. 
It's so I don't pr- trust it. It's so pretty for a name that will basically spell out my oblivion. And I used oblivion already. My other, my utter destruction. Mm-hmm. In word form. Terrifying. It destroys my thoughts, and desires, and dreams. That's how. That's that's how we do it. That's how we write. Uh, all right. So basically, uh, that advice I would not even take myself, even if I was giving it to myself. I don't know why <laughs> I. I don't know why I put that down. I don't know why I said that. Well. You mean to use these programs, or to use these programs? I mean, that's for like if you desperately want to force yourself to write. I think. I mean, I'm just writing for a good time and also out of spite, so I generally don't go as hardcore. Uh. Oh, but sometimes, something that I do sometimes to like try to get into that good old writing state is. I'll sit down. I'll go like I'm gonna write, and then I listen to like the same song, on repeat forever. And like I use that to make it feel like I don't know. I it's sort of like sometimes when you do that, you sort of enter this fugue state where time doesn't seem real, and you're just staring at this word document, and you just keep going. Uh, I can't relate to that. Yes. Not sure how many people would uh, find that helpful. There's also, like, letting your mind wander and then, like, setting a timer to get yourself back. Hmm. Like, there's... Oh, what's the thing? There's, like, um... For studying, people go, like, uh... 15 minutes of work, 10 minutes of break, and then alternating between that to get it more, like, regulated, I guess? Yeah, I mean, there's that. That also doesn't work for me because it's more like 15 minutes of work, an hour of break. You gotta have some discipline (laughs) for that. Discipline is my cousin's name. Sure. Well, I think we've answered the heck out of that question. Yeah, sure. We were very helpful. I'm very sure that We were helpful. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So, for next week, we're going to be talking about world building. Specifically for AUs, though, because this is a fanfic writing podcast, so, like, why else would you need world building for fanfiction? For fanfiction. For AUs. For all those good alternate universes. For everything that does not exist in canon. So, yeah, uh... You can ask us questions at adviceofourown at gmail.com or the askbox in the Tumblr, adviceofourown, or hit us up on Twitter, hashtag adviceofourown, at adviceofourown, however Twitter works. Advice of our own. Yeah, uh... Basically, just remember the name of the thing that you're listening to, and then look it up, and then you'll probably find us. We probably will. Uh, rate and subscribe, I guess, on the relevant 
tool that you're listening this on. Um, and yeah, we'll, I'll try not to go to cons in the next two weeks. <laughs> I'll try not to disappear from life. Farewell.